the Peak Performance Mentor Podcast, the podcast for coaches and athletes where we talk about mentoring and developing athletes of significance. Each week, we interview coaches, sports industry experts, and leadership gurus to mentor you beyond the X's and O's on your quest to achieve significance and peak performance in your personal life, professional career, and with the teams that you coach. And the lessons I've learned from the self-discipline and the consistency and the fierce tenacity and resilience uh, that goes with the mindset of sport. You know, when you surround yourself and you immerse yourself with the best people, people who are even better than you and challenge you, you will always naturally, instinctively up your game. And as a result of swimming with people who were either on par with me or were superior to me, uh, I totally shaved off personal best times and of course with swimming being an independent sport I also learned from a very young age what it means to be in competition with yourself what it means to primarily hone being every single day the best most improved healthy version of yourself episode 20 do you enjoy meeting and connecting with charismatic and down-to-earth people someone who engages you on pivotal subjects such as authentic leadership solution focused strategizing Realignment of your personal goals and passions and objectives. How about setting intentions that manifest your most desired results? Then this episode is for you. My guest today is Lisa McDonald of Living Fearlessly with Lisa. Lisa explores the obstacles and challenges that hold people back from leading happy, successful, and abundant lives. She's the host of a weekly radio show, Living Fearlessly with Lisa, that seeks to inspire and empower listeners to break the cycle of negative thoughts and actions and prevent them from reaching their goals. Lisa's approach is simple yet profoundly impactful. She establishes essential clarity, ridding you and your team of the false beliefs and concepts which impede your ability to flourish, thrive, and soar to unprecedented heights. Lisa is many things to many people, but most importantly, She is a loving mother of two beautiful children. Prior to becoming an author, blogger, she spent 25 years dedicated to being in service to those in need in the social service sector. It was when I connected with Lisa, I knew she'd be a perfect guest for us. Lisa was also an elite athlete growing up, and it was clear to me that those early experiences in sports had an influence on who she is today. Lisa, welcome to the show. I'm excited that you're here. But before we even jump into the first half, I would love for you to share with our audiences your experiences of being an elite athlete and how that shaped your current reality. Well, good morning, Christian. I want to first thank you and your listeners for uh, inviting me and tuning into this podcast. I think you're doing amazing things. And uh, as I often say, vibe attracts tribes. So no coincidences that we're here aligned, connected on your podcast. And I'm certainly looking forward to you being a guest on my radio show. So thank you. Um, Well, you know, we kind of talked in the background before initially. And, you know, I I talk about this quite consistently on radio myself. Uh, Sport for me and my, my sport of choice was competitive swimming. And, of course, my goal was to make the Olympics and represent Canada. And although I didn't succeed in that goal, I swam with the best. And one of the people who I had a tough regimen in terms of our practicing, it was six days a week, twice a day, uh, Joanne Millar. She actually, in fact, went on to represent Canada. 
So the, the couple things that I take away from that uh, and the lessons I've learned from the self-discipline and the consistency and the fierce tenacity and resilience uh, that goes with the mindset of sport. You know, when you surround yourself and you immerse yourself with the best people, people who are even better than you and challenge you, you will always naturally, instinctively up your game. And as a result of swimming with people who were either on par with me or were superior to me, uh, I totally shaved off personal best times. And of course, with swimming being an independent sport, I also learned from a very young age what it means to be in competition with yourself, what it means to primarily hone being every single day the best, most improved, healthy version of yourself. So again, as a result of sport, as a result of my first introduction to mentorships with really stellar coaches um, who I, you know, was training with six days a week, twice a day. And so you learn a lot of fundamental things about yourself. You learn things that end up, even if you're no longer with the sport actively, uh, those life lessons carry over and transform every other aspect of your life going forward. So I can really say sport, swimming specifically, because again, it it being an independent sport, um, me really just focusing on perfecting my strokes, shaving off personal time, uh, all those things. And just the discipline of being in the pool before school started, then getting in the pool again after school was finished, uh, where people were going out and partying or doing whatever it was that they wanted to do on the weekends. Uh, you know, I was, I was focused on swimming. And uh, so I'm really grateful for the experience of, of what swimming and sport has afforded me. And I can honestly say that as a result of committing my time and energies and focus to that, I've honed so many other fundamental aspects of what it is to be a human being, uh, to be a mother, uh, you know, to be a participant in my community, to be immersed in the personal development industry. Uh, it's been a win-win for me. So that's pretty much my take on swimming and, and sports specifically. Well, you know, before I even get into into the question with mentors, you said something that I, I, I would love to just tap into a little bit more. And this idea that you, you said that swimming being an individual sport, what really came out is this idea of competition with self. And I, and I think that's you got exposed to that because of the nature of the type of sport you're in. I know that mm-hmm. you work with teams. I know that you work with organizations. How do you see this idea of competition with self being played out with teams? Well, I think if we go back to the core of self, which I think anything positive, anything productive, um, anything pivotal comes out of that because we have to do the work on ourselves and be the best version of ourselves before we can emit that kind of energy or be that kind of example or role model or leader to anyone else who we're interfacing with, whether we're at a managerial level, whether we're leading teams, creating teams, building teams, expanding teams. Um, So that's kind of the mindset. And those are the, the principles that I impart to people who I'm interfacing with, whether it be on an individual basis, whether it be a group basis, a team basis, Um, Because I think if everybody who's part of a project or an initiative or a team 
Um, yes, it's important for everybody to be clear as to what the mission is uh, and really as the person who's orchestrating it, have a sense of what individual strengths, skills, and talents each person fundamentally brings to be a part of that team and to hit it out of the park. Um, but if they're also inclined to be cognizant of what it means to hone themselves do the work on themselves, be mindful of their own thoughts, words, actions, um, then that's going to be ultimately a win-win for the entire team. So that, that's, that's something that I talk about and that's something I impress upon even when I'm interviewing radio guests on radio. It's very important to always go back to the core of self and that's something that never ends in terms of the, the growth and the evolution of self, honing one's own skills, uh, getting a true sense of clarity, what are your goals, what are your passions, what puts you on fire, what makes you tick. That self-analysis, that self-assessment, and that self-inventory that we're all, I believe, innately obligated to do on a daily, consistent basis. Well, and I think you hit the head, yeah, hit, you hit it right there, is that it's something we need to do on a continual basis, even as leaders, even as coaches, as, as business owners. Whatever our role is, it is that, that continual approach to self-assessment, self-competition is actually going to lead us to greater heights. And what they, you know, for me, we like to talk about those greater heights being significant, where we can really be significant in working with our own teams comes from the self-assessment first not as a, as a result of, of making other people better. We have to make ourselves better first. Is that, is that what I'm Absolutely. hearing you saying? Absolutely. Bingo. Great. Well, let's, 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 let's take this into that, into that first half where we love to talk about mentors and the lessons that we've learned from our mentors. And, and you've talked about that you had some coaches that pushed you. You've had some, some competitors that have pushed you, and I know those might have been some mentors. We love to talk about mentors because we know these are the people that have helped stretch us. They've helped us become comfortable being uncomfortable because that's where the real growth happens. Would you share yeah. with our listeners a one or two of your mentors and how they've actually stretched you to become who you are today? Well, very quickly, so again, I'll cite, uh, you know, my first introduction to mentorship and leadership was my, were my coaches. Um, you know, and as I leveraged my game and I advanced within swimming to different levels. I, of course, had different coaches and they were all instrumental in my journey. They were all fundamental. They all brought something different to the team. One of my coaches had, in fact, been an Olympic swimmer. Uh, many of my coaches had trained uh, to then be uh, upcoming Olympic swimmers. Um, so these were people who were top of their game. These were people who absolutely knew what they were talking about and saw the potential and really brought out the potential of each swimmer, knowing that we had our own style, our own flair. Uh, we were working with different mindsets. We were working with different attitudes, so the whole thing. So that was my first introduction. Um, and, of course, you know, again, having previously, and you plugged this in my bio, which I appreciate, so having previously been in social services, uh, you know, I was immersed in the world of all kinds of people in personal development. Um, it went hand in hand with the human condition and enhancing the lives of people who are fragile and vulnerable. So I sat at many roundtable discussions, interfaced with uh, politicians at the federal level, the, the provincial level, um, all kinds of different executive directors, um, people who were at my level. So I learned from the best in terms of, again, 
being a part of that circle, being a part of that team, all of us bringing something different to the table, but taking it back to our clients, taking it back to our staff teams, taking it back to improving upon our policies and procedures. Um, So too many people there to cite and name offhand, but they were all pivotal in terms of mentors and leaders. Um, And then, of course, you know, my clients. So people who I interface with, they think that they're, Uh, perhaps getting more from me because I'm the one they've sought out for in terms of the leadership or the direction or the resources or the one-on-one, whatever you want to refer it to be. Um, But I get so much out of them. I learn so much more about myself. I learn so much more about uh, other people's passions, what makes other people, you know, fire on all pistons, Um, you know, getting tapped into other people's branding their vision, their passion. So, you know, that's really helped me improve upon my position of being a mentor and a leader within my own life. And of course, just being a mom, um, my greatest teachers, and I say this often and consistently, are my two children. You know, I'm learning constantly as a result of my children. I learn about patience. I learn about um, different perspectives. I learn uh, really going back to basics, and that's prefaced in all my children's books too. At the back of the book, you know, I always have like a disclaimer, reclaim your inner child, re-embrace your inner child, rediscover your inner child, because it's in that childlike spirit that we are most wondrous, our most curious, our most risk-taking, you know, where we don't get caught up in the false beliefs and the false concepts that tend to immobilize us in fear and keep us stuck and keep us playing a smaller game. Um, So I'm forever learning so much through my children. And of course, everybody knows who follows me. My biggest, greatest, most intangible mentor who I know I'm going to meet one day. I'm putting it out there. I use it as an accountability piece in terms of social media. Anything that I've said that I'm going to manifest, visualize, of course, coupled with massive action, Um, Oprah Winfrey, my biggest intangible mentor. Uh, She's been referenced in my first adult um, non-fiction book, uh, which hasn't been published as of yet. It's in an in-between phase at the moment. Um, But I've had contact with uh, her team directly. I've managed to get my books out to her uh, through a, a rerouted address where I was guaranteed she was actually going to receive them because, of course, she gets inundated with uh, gifts of gratitude all the time. So a lot of parallels between myself and Oprah. Um, you know, she's one of the first people I can ever quite remember in terms of a public figure, uh, really understanding the strength Uh, that goes hand in hand with vulnerability. I mean, she put herself out there. She talked about promiscuity. She talked about racism. Uh, She was a woman who in the initial stages was in a primarily male-dominated industry, Um, you know, talked about oppression, talked about family abuse. Um, So there's many, many parallels between myself and Oprah, which makes her what she is to me and how I hold her near and dear. Uh, in my heart and how, you know, that's instantaneously the first person that pops to mind when we talk about um, external uh, mentors and leaders. So th- that would be my list, Christian. Well, as, as you went through your list, and I was, I was just jotting things down, and, and I love to jot down, you know, what I'm hearing as we're going through this, I learned something myself just listening to you today and, and what you had talked about in terms of this idea of mentorship. And so often when we, we're talking with guests and I think about my own experiences, I'm thinking about you know that individual that might have been at a higher level than me 
that was a mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think that's how we often think about it. But and I, I would just want our I want our listeners to hear something that you've said, and and because this was really a profound and powerful statement. And I wrote I wrote three of these down. Number one, just being part of an inner circle. You being part of an inner circle, there there's naturally a mentorship. You know, relationship that is happening there, and as I think about this being part of this circle, you know, if you vision a circle, there, there's no starting point, no ending point, and isn't that what mentorship's really about? Absolutely, absolutely, because there is no end or there when it comes to learning or growing or evolution of self or evolution of a team, uh, or when you're talking about at the abstract level expansion, whether it be self expansion, whether it be group expansion, team expansion, the collective expansion. Um, so you're absolutely right. It, it, you know, it's definitive. It's ongoing. It's eternal. Well, and uh, okay. And the second one that I wrote down, and and I I can relate this too because I do I do see this every time when I'm talking with my clients, and I you know for me. Half of my clients happen to be athletes because I'm still involved in the world of coaching and, and doing mm-hmm. leadership coaching and those things. So I'm, I'm always looking looking at the clients as the people. You talk about clients and who we interface with, how we can learn from our clients. If we just sit back and listen to what our clients are sharing with us, there can mm-hmm. be some really strong mentorship opportunities. Would, would, can you maybe share with us maybe one thing that you might have learned from one client that had a profound, a profound impact on you? Well, sure. One of my uh, clients who I'm currently working with right now, her whole brand is based on climate hope. She's very much into the environment. Uh, she's just recently started her own podcast. Um, she's got her book, which is coming out on April 22nd, which of course is Earth Day. No coincidences based on that being her brand. And so, you know, really working quite closely with her, I've learned so many different ways outside of the stereotypical uh, when people talk about how to be environmentally friendly or how to be environmentally conscious. I mean, there's just so many different things that she has dissected um, that I was somewhat oblivious to. And as a result of working closely with her, and this being her passion and this being her pursuit, um, it really helped me adopt more integrative ways of of being a participant at the global level within my own household with my children. So it's helped me be, be a more conscious um, member of society. It's helped me be uh, a better parent in terms of my role modeling and implementing new things within our home so as to demonstrate and role model to my children and for us to be on the same page together as a family unit, uh, what it means to be environmentally conscious and to think green, and to think about different ways in which we can play uh, a pivotal role in that outside of just putting our recycling box at the curb once a week. Yeah, and I, I just love how you, you, you're able to, to allow yourself to listen to your client. And that, that's, I, I, I love to challenge coaches when I'm, when I'm working with coaches. Listen to your players. I, even even the U10 players, you'd be surprised at what they have to say. So we, let's go, go into my next point that you brought up is just listening to our kids. And this is what I wrote down is reclaiming your inner child. That's when we are most wondrous in exploring things. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, just the, the idea of have, have, have you sat down and just asked your kids what they're learning today? 
not not asking not asking your counterparts, but asking your kids what they learned today, and you you might just actually be surprised at what you'll learn from asking them what they've learned. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, if nothing else, just taking the time to pose the question, uh, you know, in abstract, because I, I very much am drawn towards the abstract. There's so many subliminal messages within our actions. Um, you know, the unspoken word, the unwritten word. And so what I'm showing to my children by even taking the time or, or posing that particular type of question is I'm here to learn from you. I'm here to listen to you. I value how you think, um, you know, because they could have a million and one different ways in which to respond to that question outside of people thinking it's the standard Q&A. I'm not interested in the standard Q&A. I'm really interested in what makes you tick. You know, how do you think? Um, you know, are you a linear type thinker? Are you pragmatic? Are you methodical? Are you theoretical? Uh, are you abstract? Are you concrete? Are you radical? You know, are you liberal? How do you think? Um, so I, I just, uh, you know, I, I love the fact that my children learn from me or what they're getting impressed upon them is, you know, it doesn't matter that mommy's older than me or mommy's the parent. Mommy values my input. Mommy values my opinions. Mommy values my perceptions and my feedback on things. And so, you know, when kids, when kids, not just my children, but everybody's children, uh, starts to feel that they are part of the conversation, uh, and more so in many respects, the more important contributors to the conversation, um, you know, that, that kind of fuels all kinds of things like self-esteem, self-confidence. You know, these are the future generation of leaders. So they need to know right off the bat that it's not about age. It's not about, you know, imposing limitations or biases on children that because they are, you know, under 10 or whatever the case may be, that they don't bring something to the table. They bring more to the table than a lot of adults who have gotten to the point of being jaded and pessimistic and toxic and dysfunctional in life. So I'm always more apt to take heed of what a child says over somebody who's a so-called dinosaur or a veteran in whatever particular industry. Well, you're making a great point with, with how you just finished that up, and, and I'll, I'll, give, I'll just give you an example. This weekend I was coaching a, a U13 team, and we're in a semifinal match, and we were clearly outmatched in the game. And at <laughs> halftime, at halftime I, 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 I had the boys around me, and you know they're all sitting there with their eyes looking up at me, staring at me, looking for the answer from me. And I sat there and mm -hmm. said, guys, I need you to help me be a better coach today. I, I need to Love. know what you're seeing out there today. What, what needs to be fixed? What happened in the first half that can be fixed? Because I'm not sure what the answer is, but I think you guys do. And mm -hmm. Fantastic. A, a wonderful thing happened. You know, they started talking about it, and, and in a short five minutes, they started talking about everything. And then all I did is help them tweak it a little bit, help them put it into a context mm -hmm. for them. But they ended up playing a great second half. Now, we still lost the game, but I told the parents after the game, you need to you need to ask your play, your sons some questions about what they learned today, because I think you'd be surprised at what they know. And so fantastic, yeah, good stuff, Christian. Well, thank you. Well, let before I wrap up the uh, wrap up this first half, 
I, I know that you talk about manifestation a lot, and, and, and you, you post it out there. You, you, you posted that you wanted Jack Canfield on your show, and you ended up with Can Jack Canfield on your show. You've talked about mm -hmm. this idea that you want to get Oprah on your show. Can you speak into this idea of manifestation and how it relates to mentorship? Well, again, it goes back to manifestation in terms of whether it turns out to be uh, something that comes to actual fruition. That can only happen if you have a very healthy, solid, honed mindset, which I do. Um, I really, really absolutely do. I put a lot of time and effort into that. People talk about, uh, you know, exercising the vessel, our bodies, going to the gym. You know, people talk about intake of food, making sure that, you know, nutrients and nutrition and, and all that kind of stuff and calories and um, organic food and, and all that kind of stuff. Yes, that's important, but unless you connect the dots and understand the synergistic relationship that needs to correlate and coexist between mind, body, spirit, you're always going to be perhaps um, one link short of the whole puzzle. So as much as I am focused on my physical health, I'm also focused on my mental health, my emotional health. Um, so a lot of that is wrapped up in the self-discipline of how I self-dialogue, the kinds of things I choose to allow into my energetic sphere, whether it be the people I turn to or I sponge up, whether I know them, don't know them in, in the tangible sphere, um, you know, YouTube videos, um, you know, people who are very successful at what they're doing and perhaps once upon a time were not, but they were able to hone their mindset. And as a result of honing their mindset, coupled with massive action, whatever it was that they identified, call it setting intentions, call it a goal, call it an objective, call it being results-oriented, whatever the case may be, these are the people who, who have managed to aspire to be household names. And it's not about status. It's not about notoriety. It's not about being attracted to celebrity for celebrity's sake. These people are known around the world because not only do we resonate with them in terms of the people I do in the personal development world, like the, the Zig Ziglar's and the Jack Canfield's and uh, the Gary Vaynerchuk's and the Oprah Winfrey's and the Maya Angelou's and, you know, tons of athletes, et cetera, the list goes on. Um, but, you know, manifestation for me has only been possible as a result of me getting very exceptionally clear within myself about what I give myself permission to do and not do, how to talk to myself, how not to talk to myself, how to spend my energy. I'm very um, protective of my energy. I'm very protective of my time. Um, so I only choose to ever use it wisely and constructively and in a way that's going to positively serve me. Um, so if I know and you know as a type a personality as somebody who has lofty goals as somebody who doesn't take time for granted i don't presume i'm going to be here tomorrow so i take massive action every single day and i think when you do that and the results you know it's always in the results um and i've had enough results show up in my life 
that I know that there's no coincidence or accident to this. This is very intentional. It's very purposeful. I'm very purpose-driven. Um, and so if you continue to do the right things, if you continue to listen to the right things, if you continue to do the right things, believe the right things, say the right things, practice the right things, and continually put one foot in front of the other, taking massive action, taking risks, putting yourself out there, which I do every single day, the things that I say once upon a time that were on my to-do list, which I have in fact successfully manifested, they're now crossed off my list. Now I'm on to different things. Now I'm playing a bigger game. Now I'm going after other people, whether it be potential guests on radio, whether it be uh, partnership or collaboration, whether it be holding on to my house, you know, doing the buyout with my ex-husband, uh, and having a five-year window in which to accomplish that, and and not knowing at the time how am I going to do this, but knowing it was non-negotiable, I had to do it. I needed to do it, and I needed to figure it out, and I needed to figure it out fast. And so, when that became non-negotiable for me, and I did all the right things to ensure that that would five years into the future be a reality. It happened. There's no coincidence to this. So I say not only to myself, but I say to my mentoring clients and I say on radio quite publicly and quite consistently, um, you know, to me, I already, I can already envision what it is that I aspire to do or to obtain or to have accomplished. It's already out there. I see it. I see it clear as day. And so it's just a matter of time again, by doing all the right things on a daily basis for, for however long it takes to get to that end game um, or to accomplish that particular goal, it, it catches up. So I, I catch up in the here and now eventually, and then in the future of however long it takes to get there, I've accomplished it uh, because, again, it's non-negotiable. That's my mindset. I'm very fierce. I'm very focused. I'm very laser sharp. Uh, and I don't give myself permission, uh, no matter what hardships or challenges or roadblocks may, you know, throw me off my game a little bit or, or not make it a very easy, uh, you know, trajectory in which to arrive at that particular place or to accomplish that particular goal. You know, I expect that the universe is going to throw me uh, difficulties because that's the universe's way of saying, how badly do you really want this, Lisa? I'm going to challenge you because to the degree that you are really all in, you are really plugged in, you are really invested, we will see. Time will tell. And so I prove it. I prove it to myself. That, that's what I do. It's, it's, not about, it's not about accolades. It's not about getting pats on the back. It's not about people going, oh, wow, Lisa McDonald, wow, she's on fire. That's great that that's the feedback that I get, and this is what draws people wanting to be coached and mentored by me or reach out to be a guest on my show. And I'm always deeply grateful and honored and flattered by that uh, and deeply touched. Um, but really, I'm doing it to prove things to myself. Really, that's what it's all about. What a great segue as we go into halftime because you, you mentioned, you're talking about that being here and now and that you know, life is going to throw us things. We're in, this, we're in this, this game of life. And we think we go yeah. into that first half knowing what, what's going to happen, and there's going to be things that are going to throw it into us. And you know, we come into that halftime, and that halftime, we, we, that's, where we, that's where we take the little points and cues that are going to help us stay focused on what needs to have happen. So as we go into this halftime, I, I, let's go into these questions on halftime right now and just talk about how you stay focused. So one of the first questions I want to get to is 
what is that daily habit that you might have every day that keeps you grounded, keeps you focused, and keeps you centered on where you need to be? Well, it's a culmination of things, Christian. And again, I talk about this quite openly and quite consistently, quite publicly on my platforms. Um, so for me, everybody who knows me and follows me, which I'm, again, I'm very grateful for, everything I do, I do for my children. Um, I, you know, I'm concerned about things like legacy. I'm concerned about, you know, how will I be remembered? And more importantly, how will I be remembered by my children? And as a parent, what are the important um, aspects of life that I would hope through my demonstration, my example, are my children then sponging up and learning for me, which I hope they incorporate into their life, whatever it is they one day decide they want to do. And it doesn't matter to me what they end up doing or not doing, as long as they're doing it from a place of passion, they're doing it from a place of clarity, um, that's all that I care about. Um, So for me, it's... um, Sorry, I just lost my train of thought there. Can you say (laughs) that again? Daily habit. Yeah, you start off with with the daily habit, number one, remembering that your focus is because of your kids, leaving your legacy, and and that leads you into other things that you might do. Well, again, there's a culmination of things. So it's not limited to one thing. It's it's a whole host of different ingredients that go into the mix to make the recipe for what uh, works for me personally. And so it's, you know, it's proclamations, it's declarations, it's I am statements. It's, uh, you know, I say this to people. There's very few things that I say because how is it that we retain information either for the positive or conversely the negative? Uh, It's be your own hero be your own Shiro, be your own leader, be your own best friend, because how do we learn? Repetition, repetition, repetition. And um, so I focus on that every day. I talk to myself, treat myself, value myself no differently than I would somebody outside of me, whether it be an acquaintance, a stranger, a client, a friend, a family member, a community member, uh, somebody who's part of a coalition, somebody who's part of a team, somebody who's part of a network. It doesn't really matter. If somebody was coming to me, and they were having some kind of perceivable crisis or they needed some advice or they were struggling or they weren't feeling on top of their game, you know, would I sit there and allow them to uh, be self-deprecating? No. Would I let them sit in this funk and go and do and say things that are counterintuitive to where it is they they claim that they really want to uh, be on fire with and and, and get on the right path with. No, I would remind them, you know, have you forgotten that you bring this to the table? Have you forgotten this is why people are drawn to you? Have you forgotten that these are, this is your skill set? This is what makes you signature and unique to anyone or everyone else in this world. Um, so I treat myself, this is again, congruency. So these are the things that I would say to my mentoring clients. These are things I would say to anybody off the street. So why would I then value myself any less? Why would I treat myself as a secondary class citizen? I can't, I don't, and I won't. Um, particularly when I look at what my role of responsibility and culpability is to my children, uh, I have to always be in a good space. I always have to be firing on all pistons. I'm really big about accountability. I hold myself accountable. I hold other people accountable. Um, You know, there's no lip service with me. I'm very tough on people, but I'm also very tough on myself. And I only invest that kind of time and energy into people who fundamentally believe in themselves. To me, that's what makes somebody coachable. Uh, I value my time as much as they value their time. So if they're really signing up to, um, you know, perpetuate and instigate true change and shift, 
uh, and getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, then great. I've got all the time in the world for you. I can work with you, um, but, you know, I'm not going to play small with you. And if you're interested in playing small or, you know, we make grounds, but then you're going backwards, no, we, we are on a trajectory. We are only going to go forward and we are only going to go vertical. So if you're interested in leveraging, if you're interested in scaling, if you're interested in momentously climbing, then we can work together. But I, you know, I can't, I don't deal well with victimology. I don't accept that from myself. And I've had a lot of things that a lot of people would not have been able to uh, get out from underneath of. Um, But for me, it's, you know, I look at the lesson in everything. Because had I not gone through certain experiences in my life, I don't know that I would, one, be drawn to the uh, personal Uh, development world I don't know that I would be as compassionate or as plugged in of a human being as what I am I don't know that I would be as empathetic I don't know that I would be as hardcore as what I am uh, to always challenge myself to want to be the best version of myself so I don't look upon anything that's perceivably negative or awful or traumatic which has happened to me in my life as uh, something that I look upon as a hindrance I see it as a a blessing I see the gift um, I have incorporated it, I've made it work for me, and now as a result of what I've gone through and how I've managed to adapt myself to my circumstances uh, and realizing there's a bigger game here and there's always a lesson to whatever we go through, uh, now I'm in a position where I can truly inspire other people, I can elevate other people, I can use every single platform that I'm graciously afforded to get my message out there to the masses and to the collective, knowing that statistically for all the different categories I'm in, um, I'm not the only one. So I do have some expert experience and advice uh, to talk to and, and to have firsthand knowledge and experience of um, to be the leader of what I'm going through to help other people in their own journey. That's what I'm all about. I, I love it, and I I, I'm, I can pick that apart for the next hour. Uh, but but I, I wrote I wrote some things that I'll put just down in the in the notes for people to go back and look at. What I'd like to do is. I really believe that, that, that these people that have been significant in my life and when I, when I study people that have had success and, and have been significant, one of the things that came very clear to me is that they're continually to learn, whether it's reading a mm-hmm. book, whether it's, uh, you know, whether it's li- listening to a podcast nowadays, there's, there's always some learning that's going on. Can you share with our audience what you're currently working on in terms of your own self-learning? Uh, well, it's, it's always having goals, you know, it's, it's never getting tired of, um, defining what those goals are. And of course, because I'm committed to always playing a bigger game and, um, you know, not playing small, you know, my goals are always incrementally or momentously increasing. And I don't believe in the New Year's resolution stuff. It's really about setting intentions coupled with taking massive action. That's, my lifestyle that's my dna and so that's part of how i execute every additional day that i'm afforded uh to be here on this planet to do something more profound and to play a bigger game um so you know it it, it's really just about um and again because i have a very generous social media footprint people are continuously seeking me out and so i can never quite foresee in advance as a result of putting myself out there, taking huge risks, you know, uh, very savvy with my marketing, my updates, inviting people to connect with me, uh, which has oftentimes resulted in phenomenal 
partnerships and collaborations. And so, you know, day in and day out, the list of what I'm working on or where I'm going or different things that are important to me, the trajectory of that changes because of who I'm constantly immersed in, whether it be initially indirectly or whether it be through social media uh, or, or, you know, operating at two degrees of separation from people who I've been very grateful to have showcased on radio. So, you know, vibe attracts tribes. So synergistically, people can pick up on who I am, what I'm all about. And it's the attractor factor. So for the reasons that they're drawn to me, I'm equally drawn to them. And that brings about a whole host of new ideas or collaboration or it's somebody who ends up being featured on uh, and showcased on my radio, somebody who I've, you know, showcased on my TV show, uh, somebody who seeks me out for mentorship or for me to be their coach. Um, You know, like there's all kinds of incredible things right now behind the scenes that are happening as a result of me having showcased Jack Canfield. Again, I said, two years before I was able to secure him on my show. I put it out there publicly, and I'm sure initially people laughed at me and thought, who does she think she is to think that, you know, she could ever be on Jack Canfield's radar? Well, you know, who was Jack Canfield before Jack Canfield blew up and became Jack Canfield? It's not about the name. It's about the inherent qualities that one emboldens within themselves, and it becomes non-negotiable. So Jack Canfield, he saw something for himself, regardless of once upon a time being a no-name. And people pay attention to, you know, people's gumption, people's grit, people's hustle, uh, people's self-concept. You know, when people believe in themselves, that's attractive. And so I put it out there, like I say, two years ago on social media, I'm going after Jack Canfield. I don't care how long it takes me. I'm going after Jack Canfield. And that would be an example going back to one of your former questions of me, Christian, with, you know, the manifestation and what does that look like and what does that really mean and what does that show up for uh, and look like as a result of something you've, you've, you've said that you've manifested and it actually coming to fruition. Jack Canfield being a perfect example. Deepak Chopra took me, a, I said, I'm going to go after Deepak Chopra. It took me a year to get Deepak, but I got him. Um, you know, so this is, again, the universe testing me. How much do you really want this, Lisa? How much do you really want this, you know? And if people are, see, we live in a, a time now where everything's got to be instant gratification. It's got to be an instant bullseye. It's got to be an instant yes or instant high five. Or I don't work like that because nothing in my life has seamlessly gone easy for me. I've had to work for every single thing that I've had. Uh, you know, once upon a time, I wanted to go to college and university, didn't have the infrastructure of family support, didn't get grants, didn't get loans, didn't have the support of mommy and daddy. I eventually did college and I did university. You know, I desperately needed braces. I was one of those people where I had overcrowded teeth, I had crooked teeth top to bottom. Um, You know, I had to pay for that myself. And when I got to a place where I could and I got myself on a payment plan with an orthodontist, at the same time that I was putting myself through school, paying my own tuition, paying my own books, working two or three jobs, and very fortunately for me, in the field before I even graduated, to make the money to pay for these things that I required and absolutely needed. So, you know, I went into all of that knowing this is not going to happen overnight. You know, it took me three years to get my diploma. It took me, I, I went to university 
as a mature student, and I was working two jobs in the field. I had two different pagers. I was manager to two different agencies. I had 40 hours of staffing per week in the one position I held, and it was up to me how I chose to use my so-called downtime. So on top of doing additional committee work for the agency, um, I decided to use those hours to go to university, go as a mature student, get my degree. Um, you know, to be a full-time student to get the degree that I got, it would have taken about four years. I maximized how many courses I could take as a part-time student to accelerate that. And so they normally say double the years, and that's what it takes if you're going as a part-time student. I actually got a degree as a part-time student in four years, which what it should have taken me eight. So, and that was working two full-time jobs in managerial with with pagers. So. It's, you know, it, it, I'm so used to things aren't going to happen instantaneously. If it's really important to me and I value my investment of time, if I value myself as somebody who deserves to have the good stuff plugged into, call it workshops, call it masterminds, call it mentors, call it coaches, call it education, call it whatever, then I'm, I'm in it for the long haul. I, and I don't quit. People know that about me. I do not quit. So until it's done, until it's accomplished, until it's obtained, earned, um, I keep going until until it's done. <laughs> and that that is a great answer to a short question with so much information in there. I want to go right into the second half, Lisa, with you because yeah. uh, everything you've talked about here had to come from some type of, of failure, the idea that you have embraced failure. My younger son, I, I, he, he's, an, he's an inventor. He's 10 years old and he's an inventor. And I, I, I share with our audience all the time about this, how he came home from school one day and he sat there and said to me, he said, Dad, did you know that Thomas Edison never failed? He just found a thousand wow. ways that didn't work. And Love you know, it. Uh, yeah, and, and he's always taking things apart, and he's always figuring out ways to do things, and that, that's, the, that's the epitome of what embracing failure is all about. So it's really clear as we listen to you talk, and you listen to us share with us about your, about your story, about this idea of living the significance that you, you've come through some, some failures, and, and you've embraced that failure. I would just love for you to talk to us about this whole concept of that we must embrace failure if we're ever going to see things happen for us in a significant way. Yeah, for sure. Um, so one of my first experiences, not my first experience, but one of my first experiences <clears throat> I'll talk about here is, so when I was in kindergarten, so kids who start kindergarten, and it was full day back then, uh, I was, you know, always the youngest in my class. My birthday's December 21st. Um, so I was always the youngest in my class. And um so in kindergarten, I had this teacher who should have retired long before I ever crossed paths with her. And, you know, I was left-handed, and it was back in the day where they had the scissor rack and they had the left-handed scissors, which I don't know, I'm in Canada, could be different in various parts of the world that your listeners are tuning into. But at least in my particular case, in school, they had the scissors rack and they had the silver scissors, which were for the people who were right-handed. And then alternatively, beside that, were the scissors uh, that had, like, green, um, green trim around the handles. And I was, I, I was 
I believe in that particular class, if I wasn't the only one who was left-handed, I was probably one of two or three max. And I was always trying to be converted over to switching from being southpaw to right-handed. And I just, you know, that wasn't my dominant hand. It wasn't what felt right or natural to me. So right off the bat, the teacher felt that there was some opposition or resistance coming from me. Being the youngest in the class, I was also the smallest class. I was a very petite child. Um, You know, I uh, couldn't, I didn't know my alphabet the way other kids did, again, being the youngest, uh, I couldn't, I didn't know my numbers as quickly as what other people did. So it got to the point where the teacher was recommending that I not advance to grade one. And thankfully, and I was the eldest, so my parents had never had any prior experience with me being the firstborn uh, to question that. And so fortunately, you know, they didn't just go with, okay, well, they're the experts. The teacher would know better than I, even though I'm the parent. They challenged that. And so I got privately assessed, and it was determined by the person who assessed me on behalf of the Board of Education. You know, I'm not quite sure what the issue is, but, you know, Lisa kind of, you know, she excelled. She did well. There's no reason to my way of thinking that Lisa should be held back and that would really hurt her socially because she's already uh, a December baby and she's already the youngest in the class. So I certainly wouldn't recommend that and I don't think that there's anything to justify Lisa being kept back. Um, You know, so I don't really quite recall to what degree I was cognizant of all that or if it just became more me understanding as I got older that being shared with me with my parents. Uh, I do remember being assessed. Um, it was, you know, but but that was a really good example of, you know, don't let other people define what your strengths are. Don't let other people put you in the box and say that because you don't necessarily do everything systematically according to how everybody else around you is operating, that therefore you are a failure or you should be held back or you're somehow deficient or you're somehow you know, that place of, of lacking and scarcity. And so, you know, that was a good experience for me to go, okay, you can prove people wrong just by being true to who you are. And that's just one person's opinion. And this was somebody who was washed up, burnt out, uh, didn't like me for a whole host of reasons that I couldn't really understand because I'm a little kid and I'm four years old. And I was a very um, good student in terms of, you know, I listened, I put up my hand, uh, you know, I was very so-called obedient at that particular age. Uh, But because I wouldn't convert over to right-handed scissors or because it took me longer to tie my shoelaces or, you know, maybe I asked to go to the bathroom one too many times or maybe I was slow in the hallway going to the auditorium and, you know, I don't know what the issue was, but... The point on the bigger scale for anybody who's listening is you're always going to come into contact with people who are critics, people who are naysayers, people who don't gel with you, people who just don't like you for whatever the reason. Um, You know, don't own it. And and one of my favorite quotes, and I know we're probably going to get into this, but one of my favorite quotes is by Byron Katie. You know, it's not your job to like me. It's mine. And so, again, that goes back to mindset. Once you become very clear on who you are, what you believe in, what you will go to the wall for, anything that anybody says which is contrary to supporting what intuitively serves you 
you get rid of that. You discard that very, very quickly. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of energy. And it's a waste of space. I say that to my clients. I say that to my kids. I say that to anyone who I care about. So, I, again, going back to my notes as I wrote things down, and, and this is just a – it's a different approach to understanding this idea of failure and embracing embracing adversity. And I, I, that's what I love about doing the show is that we, we get to examine these concepts from different points of view, and we can always learn from these different points of view. And as I, as I heard you talking about this idea of failure and adversity, it, it comes back to how often – do people look at their failures by what somebody else defined those failures as? And exactly. it's not my definition of, of who I am. And that, Absolutely. It, yeah, we, we, our failures are not somebody else's failures. Our experiences are not somebody else's experiences. There are experiences, and we have to own those experiences. And Absolutely. When, and when we own those experiences, what we have done is actually embraced the experience and no longer really embracing the failure but embrace it's about embracing the experience not the failure and very th true that I, I just I mean I, I mean you for you just gave me an eye-opener myself is as, as I start to work with it stop it's not about embracing failure. it's, it's experience that matters um, my dad right. often tells me uh, as, as I as I've been going forward it, it is it is the journey that is the destination and, and mm -hmm. I think that's what we're talking about right here. Very true. Absolutely. So as we, as we go, as we start to wrap things up, again, as I talk with the people that, have, have, that, that I see have made significance part of their life's journey, mm -hmm. each one of these people has a legacy that they're leaving. And I love to hear about legacies and the legacies that people are living in. And I, I can, I, we can hear it already in, in your story and in your passion that you share with us. But I have a couple of questions that I like to pull out the legacy of people that, that really needs to be shared with everyone. And, and you, you've shared a lot with us, Lisa. But I, I do have three questions, and we'll see where these go, go with us. My sure. first one, what is it that you're most excited about right now today? Uh, that I'm here, you know, that I'm, I, and I'm seriously, this might sound cliche, but I'm somebody for what I used to do working in social services, uh, working with people who were, you know, in crisis, crisis management specifically, again, some of the personal experiences that I've had in my life, I don't take anything for granted. You know, I've, I've, um, I've been surrounded by a lot of death. Uh, I've, seen a lot of suicide I've seen uh, you know I've taken kids to get rape kits uh, you know I, I've seen a lot in my life Christian so the fact that I get to wake up here and be have another day you know I'm able-bodied I've got my health um, you know I'm an entrepreneur so I get to make my own schedule again all conducive to what's in the best interest of, of the well-being of my children particularly as a single parent uh, the fact that my kids woke up you know they're in school I live where I live in Canada uh, you know we don't I don't have to worry about um, some of the things that we see on the news you know like I, we're just I'm just very grateful for so many things gratitude is really at the crux of everything uh, it comes first and foremost even before my brand of living fearlessly 
so I just, you know, it's, a, it's about daily gratitude. Everything for me is hashtag gratitude, hashtag living fearlessly. I really do believe I'm living fearlessly. I feel that I've got, you know, a whole lifetime of example after example after example of even before I understood branding, even before social media even existed, even long before I knew I was meant to be entrepreneurial and do some of the things that people would now glean from what I do with my day-to-day in my life. Um, You know, I always was living fearlessly. You know, there's a voice for it now. There's a name for it now. I've got platforms for it now. I've got followers um, <clears throat> because they too are living fearlessly or they're committed to wanting to choose to live more fearlessly. So that's really, you know, when we talk about legacy um, and what, what do I wish to be remembered for, uh, more importantly, I hope my kids always remember me as, as somebody who truly loved them and did do everything uh, with them being my number one priority. Uh, but in terms of, you know, generally speaking at the broader level, Really what I say, you know, I'm here, my purpose, I'm here to uplift people to fear less and to live more. That's my legacy. So let's, let's take that one step further for them to do that. What do they need to know in order to grow? How, how well, do, give, give us, give us one, one way that they can, they can start to step into that life of living fearlessly. Well, again, you know, I, I think in different ways I've prefaced that already with some of the answers uh, that I've answered in your individual questions in terms of what has worked for me in my life. Uh, so knowing that I have firsthand experience and I have firsthand success with some of the things that I've itemized here in this interview, uh, whether we're talking about a manifestation, whether we're talking about goals, whether we're talking about declarations, I am statements, what it is to be your best friend, you know, what it is to be your own hero, your own shiro, your own leader, your own best friend, uh, what it is to surround yourself with mentors, be coachable, look at the people who are doing and have done what it is you aspire to do and have done it well, have done it successfully. You know, those are the people that you need to immerse yourself with. You know, get rid of the toxic stuff in your life that counterintuitively does not serve you. Get rid of the naysayers. Don't pay attention to that. You know, we are always going to forever be surrounded uh, and bombarded by noise. Um, noise being in the way of overstimulation, uh, people competing with wanting your attention for different things. Um, again, it could be positive or negative, but you've got to be very specific. You've got to be discerning. You've got to be selective. Um, there's only so many hours in a day. We are only ever just one person. You've got to pick your battle. You've got to pick, uh, you know, figure out what your priorities are. Get exceptionally clear. Um, do your inventory, do your homework, do your research, um, you know, and take massive action every single day. Uh, and, and just, you know, see your, see your life for the gift that it is and see yourself as a person who uh, has value, brings value. You know, we all are here. It's a miracle just to be here. I'm not a religious person. I'm a spiritual person, um, you know, but I, I believe in, Again, no coincidences. You know, even to be conceived and to have what we now know as a life and how to live our lives and to know that even some of the most destitute 
places on the planet and the people who have been the most impoverished and the people who have been, uh, you know, ostracized and people who have been marginalized and oppressed. These are some of the people that have the most profound stories that we are familiar with, either as a result of them being on the international global stage or the books that they've written or their YouTube videos or their speaking circuit or whatever the case may be. Um, they will be the first ones to tell you, regardless of the fact that they came out of the slums or they lived in a place where, you know, there was like gang banging and all this other stuff, or there was no food on the table. You know, look at the Tony Robbins story. Look at what Oprah Winfrey's gone through. They'll be the first people to say, don't use your geography. Don't use the, the color of your skin. Don't use any of those things or even being a woman as a reason to play a smaller game. If you believe in who you are and you know that you're meant for greater things, figure it out and go fly, go soar. <laughs> Absolutely correct. And so, Lisa, I, I actually I, I, I wrote a quote down that I'm actually going to put up on my board that's right above my computer because I think it is so important for me myself that I need to do this and give you credit for this. The quote's very simple. Get rid of the toxic noise in your life. That, that, yes, that's, absolutely. That, that's what I heard. Let's go into the post game and wrap up our show with the post game. And the, and the post game is where I really would like to give you the, the, the platform to let our audience know how they can find you and where to reach out to you and to connect with you on a more meaningful way in their lives. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you, Christian. So, again, I'm very grateful for the social media footprint that I have. I have a combined social media following of about 100,000 uh, people. Uh, LinkedIn is my favorite platform because that's where it converts. That's where people like me are very uh, interested in, in the business aspect and growing each other. Um, so I love LinkedIn. I always encourage people, if, 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 if there's any social media platform that you want to interface with me or reach out to me, please go reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, but I am, of course, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I've got a business page on Facebook as well as a personal page. Uh, I go live every Friday with the Contact Talk Radio Network at 8 a.m. Pacific, which converts to 10 Central, which converts to 11 Eastern for 55 minutes with a different guest, a phenomenal guest each week. Um, so, of course, I can be found at uh, httpswwwctrnetwork.com backslash Lisa McDonald. Uh, I can be found, my podcast can be found on iTunes, uh, TuneIn, Apple, TuneIn.com, FeedBlitz, Google FM, Player FM. I'm also with the C-Suite Radio Network, so I have two global platforms. Uh, so it's a win-win for anybody who wishes to be showcased by me. Um, so Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald, I've got a host page up there again with C-Suite Radio Network, which is a division with C-Suite Network, which is the most trusted business network in the world. Um, Jeffrey Hazlett is the co-founder, CEO. Uh, you know, Cameron Steele is the founder of the Contact Talk Radio Network. So I'm all over the place. Um, and very grateful to people such as yourself, Christian, who are consistently reaching out to me, inviting me to be interviewed on their podcast or their radio show or to speak at their event or to be a columnist for their magazine. I also blog for Ariana Huffington. Um, so I'm very regimented with uh, content and banging content out on a consistent basis. So you can find me on Medium as a blogger. You can find me on Ariana Huffington's site, Thrive Global, as a blogger. Uh, I'm very savvy. My team and I are very savvy with our marketing initiatives. 
Um, so any updates, uh, any momentous growth, anything to do with collaboration uh, and showcasing any weekly guest, it's all over my platforms. I cross-promote everywhere. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's uh, my website. It's um, livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. Uh, my email address is lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm a connector. I love people. I love seeing people succeed. I love seeing people on fire. So if there's anything I can do to be of service, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. Well, Lisa, thank you for spending the last hour with us. You, you've just brought so much value to, to my show and to my listeners from this, this whole idea of that we can go out and live this life that we want, and we need to live it without fear. We've got to get out there and do it. And so it's just been an honor to have you on the show today, and I, thank and I look forward to further connections. Well, I look forward to it too. And once again, I can't thank you enough for this awesome opportunity. It's such an honor and a privilege to be showcased by you with your loyal listeners. And uh, again, I look forward to reciprocating and returning the favor. Uh, We've got you on the upcoming radio calendar, which of course will be ramped up all over the place as we grow closer to the time on the calendar. And uh, just keep doing what you're doing, Christian. The world's hungry for people like you and, and people who are like us, who, you know, only choose to emit positive energy out into the rest of the world and bring people along for the ride. So good for you and thank you again, Christian. Thanks. It's been a great morning. It's been a fantastic morning. Thank you. This has been the Peak Performance Mentor Podcast, where each week we look forward to mentoring you to discover significance and realize that your own peak performance extends beyond the field. The Peak Performance Mentor Podcast is brought to you by Volta, where athletes of significance are born. Learn more about the Volta programs, the Athlete of Significance Recruiting Education, the Athlete of Significance Coaching Education, the Athlete of Significance Sports Camps, and the Athlete of Significance Mission Trips at our website, www.voltacoach.com backslash AOS.